Good morning. Our reading today is from Matthew um, 15, verses 24 to 28. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they gain in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you so much, Lisa, for reading our scripture. And as always, we're uh, so appreciative of our worship band coming out and leading us in this. And uh, they always lead us in the very presence of God. And we're so grateful. As we prepare to reflect upon what we've just heard in God's word and seek its meaning for our life, let's ask God's help for that. His Holy Spirit to join us. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we gather in this place, lifting our voices up, praising you. We pray, God, that our songs have brought glory to you, that have expressed in our hearts our love for you, and affirm what we, we believe. Thank you, God, for the gift of music that enables us to do that. We ask now that you use the power of your word to instruct us, to speak to us in ways that help to shape our lives into the people you call us to be. I pray that you might use me, Lord, and the words that I speak here as to be your words. Open our hearts and our minds in this moment that we spend with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think we're all familiar with the uh, Japanese word called kamikaze. Everybody knows what that is? Kamikazes? You read about those? You know? uh, that's the uh, kamikazes were those, uh, those Japanese suicide pilots that back in uh, World War II, uh, who at the cost of their, their lives uh, sought to destroy some of our allied ships out in the Pacific Ocean. It's said that around 1,200 pilots actually lost their lives, uh, died uh, destroying or sinking 34 of our ships. And the word kamikaze in Japan, the, the word literally means divine wind. And it recalls a typhoon that happened in the year 1281 that uh, crushed an invasion that was coming from the Emperor uh, Kublai Khan and his quest against China. And it totally wiped out the invasion forces. And so 600 plus years later, the Japanese were in retreat and they were hoping for another kamikaze event by using these suicide bombers, uh, suicide pilots to, to come into the ships and destroy the U.S. Navy. And of course, we know that that they weren't successful in succeeding at that. But the kamikaze pilots will always be remembered for their devotion uh, to duty and their willingness to pay the ultimate price for their country and for um, their leader. And what brings that to my mind this morning are these words that we have before us today about Jesus talking about sacrifice and self-denial and losing one's life in order to save it. It's almost as if this is a call for Christian kamikazes, you know, people who are willing to do anything, uh, even at the cost of their very lives, to follow Jesus. 
Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a martyr who gave his life for the Christian faith, he says this. He says, when Christ calls a person, he bids them to come and die. On this Labor Day weekend, as we celebrate the Sacrament of Holy Communion together, we remember this ultimate labor of love and sacrifice. And I just have to be honest with you. These words that we read today, where we hear Jesus talking about self-denial and taking up one's cross and losing your life in order to save it, these have not been among my favorite Bible passages. Uh, you know, I, I'd much rather focus on those passages that talk about uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only son or the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, or uh, peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give. Uh, those are the kind of passages I really want to focus on. Um, I, would, I would prefer rather a warm and fuzzy kind of Christian discipleship that uh, requires a childlike faith in the ultimate supreme goodness of God or that focuses on uh, the, the hope of eternity and the paradise and all the glory that's going to come to us. And those are the kind of passages I want to focus on, right? Don't you? <laughs> well, Jesus seems to be making it very clear here today. And if you read his teachings, you see that he indicates that Christian discipleship, if we're going to follow him, it requires a cost. There's a cost involved. It, it involves sacrifice. It involves self-denial. It involves understanding that God's will for our life must become priority in our lives. In Jesus' teaching, it's clear that God has work for us to do here on this earth. A labor of love, perhaps, but labor nonetheless. Over these last few weeks, we've been looking at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, his most important and influential sermon. And it's where he lays out his vision for what our lives as Christians should look like. And as we've learned in that sermon, there's some very hard and difficult teachings. And I think this teaching we have before us today is in that same vein. Uh, these are not words that we really want to hear. This is the part of this Christian discipleship that we'd like to kind of skirt around and uh, you know, not have to deal with. But if you're going to take Jesus seriously... And you can't ignore his words here. If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. The truth is, Christian discipleship involves a cost. And in some societies, uh, that cost can involve your life, literally, death. <laughs> I mean, we sometimes forget that two-thirds of the world's Christians live in places today that are hostile toward uh, the Christian faith. In our country, we may not have to face martyrdom. Uh, hopefully not. There's a few that do, but we, most of us are not threatened by that. Um, most of us are not worried about uh, you know, the, the cost, and yet there are costs that come with Christian discipleship. To live the life that Jesus calls us to live is to live against the grain of the values that are taught in this world. Now, even if you're not having to face persecution or isolation because of your faith, there are still costs involved. If you choose to follow Jesus Christ in this world today, there are going to be costs involved. Some of the costs are kind of, you know, big. I mean, for instance, um, one obvious cost is financial. Those who seek to follow Jesus Christ as Christians, we are called to uh, give of what God has entrusted to us for the sake of his kingdom here on this earth. And that's more than just a dollar or two in the offering plate on Sunday mornings. I mean, as God's people, we're called to tithe. That's 10% of our income. 
geez, um, that's kind of a lot. But, you know, that's God's standard. That's not my standard. That's not the church's standard. That's, that's in the big book. That's what God requires of us. And, and on top of that, there's all these other worthy causes and, and needs that we see out there that uh, demand our attention and also are worth our, our giving toward. But it's not just the tithe. It's not just giving financially that God requires of us. Uh, it's also the giving of our time. I mean, we are called to set aside time to worship God, to come together as his people. On Sundays, that's when we come together. And the one day of the week that most of us would like to be able to claim that day as our own, something we could do ourselves on our own. We're, we're supposed to make time for God on this day. And, you know, that Sunday comes around every week. There's a Sunday in every week, and it's even on a rainy Labor Day weekend. We've got a Sunday that we're called to spend time with God. And then Jesus talks about spending time feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, visiting the sick, and doing all those things as if we were doing it to him. All of this stuff takes time, precious time that we could perhaps you know, use it something else we'd rather do. But it's not just financial resources, not just our time. It's also our talents that are on call. I mean, if you can teach, my goodness, we have Sunday school t- classes for all age level groups, children, and youth and adults. We have Bible studies. We have small groups. We have youth on Sunday nights. We have children. There's all kind of opportunities for somebody if they can teach. We need to be passing on the faith and doing that. If you can sing, then, you know, there's a place for you to use that talent for God. If you can dream dreams for Jesus Christ, if you can, you can capture uh, a vision of creative ministries and that can be used for the future of our church, then we could use you in the leadership of the church. The list goes on and on. It's it's endless. Whatever your God-given gift is that God has entrusted to you, Jesus says that's not yours to hold on to. He says you are to share that. God has entrusted you with this so that you could share it for the use, the building of his kingdom here on this earth. I, I wish that I could stand up here this morning and tell you that the um, the walk in the life of Christian discipleship is just not that demanding. <laughs> I wish I could, I could tell you that, but that's, Jesus doesn't give me that luxury. Uh, the truth is, in the words of the old Texan, he says, the problem with the Christian life is that it's a daily thing. It just, uh, it's, it's so daily. <laughs> I mean, it's a daily way of life. Yet perhaps... Perhaps this is all by divine design. Perhaps this labor of love that we are called to live on this earth in God's glory is a preparation for a greater thing to come, the glory that awaits us. I I love the story, the lesson that's taught in the story about the butterfly. A family brings home two cocoons that uh, are about to hatch. And as the first butterfly begins to try to emerge from its cocoon, the family gathers around and they, they watch this butterfly as it struggles and it squeezes and it, it fights to, to get through this little tiny hole that is chewed at the end of the, and the, of the cocoon. And it's struggling and they, they watch this for, it seems like, hours. And it's this exhausting process for this butterfly to get out of that cocoon. Excruciating, it seems. Uh, and then finally the butterfly emerges and it hangs on exhausted for about 10 minutes and then suddenly it spreads its wings and it flies out the open window on its beautiful new wings. Well, the family decides, you know, we're, we're, 
we're not going to let that next butterfly have to go through all of that. We're going to try to help that next butterfly. My goodness, this was this was exhausting and excruciating to watch that struggle happen. And so um, the family says, you know, when the next one emerges, we're going to try to figure out a way that we can not make it so hard. And so when the other butterfly starts to emerge, they take a little razor blade and they, they cut a little slit, sort of like a cesarean section in a cocoon, trying to make it easier for that butterfly to come out. And the problem is when the butterfly emerged, instead of spreading its wings, it hung there for a little while and then it finally dies. The family later learned that this process that a butterfly goes through to... Uh, uh, seems excruciating uh, and difficult to go through coming out of that cocoon. In that process, the fluids in its inner body are squeezed into the wings, which enable it to fly, to live. The lesson learned, where there's no struggle, there's no wings. I, I believe that life is that way in a broad sense. I think it's true of Christian discipleship. In fact, if you read the verses just prior to the passage we have before us today in Matthew's gospel, if you look at verse 13, you'll see where Jesus is having this conversation with his disciples about his identity. And he, he, he asked them, who do you say that I am? And you remember how Peter pipes up and he says, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus gives him this great compliment of saying, you're so right. I mean, blessed are you, Simon, uh, son of Jonah. And then he, he calls Peter the rock, you know, the foundation upon which he will build his church. But as soon as Jesus turns around and starts to tell his disciples the things that are going to happen to him in Jerusalem, Peter pipes up and says, no way, Lord. We're not going to let that happen to you. Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You become a stumbling block to me. Wow. I mean, Peter goes from being a rock to a block in one paragraph. <laughs> And yet when I, when I read that story, I realize that we're no different than Peter. We're really not. We'd rather have a Christian discipleship without the cost. We'd rather be able to fly on wings void of any sacrifice or hardship. But that's not the way of the cross. That's not the way of Christian discipleship. Yet as the Apostle Paul reminds us, he says this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. It's preparing us to fly on wings that we can only imagine. But it's more than just this hope for an eternal reward that motivates us and causes us to want to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow Jesus. We seek to love God. We seek to live this labor of love in the world today. Because Christ has already paid the ultimate cost for us. And today in this sacrament, we remember how Jesus denied himself, how he gave his life so that we might have life. Our willingness to deny ourselves, our willingness to live this, a life of, of love for God in this world is rooted in our response to what God has already done for us. We love because of what God has done first for us. Through Jesus Christ and his grace. But we're also motivated by the fact that if we live for God, if we follow these teachings that Jesus gives us, then we will experience the blessed life. I mean, just just uh, denying ourselves and just giving things up doesn't make one a Christian. That just makes you empty. 
But when you seek to live for God, when you seek to follow the teachings that Jesus has given us, you find purpose, you find meaning in life that is beyond ourselves. It becomes worth any price, any sacrifice that we can make. Jesus says the road that leads to life is narrow and it's hard. And yet I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's simply no other way to experience the fullness of life that God promises us unless we're willing to give of ourselves in this labor of love. In the words of that great hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, Look full in His wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace the grace and the glory of our faith is that we serve a god who doesn't leave us to our own and our our attempts at trying to be faithful disciples of jesus christ even though it sometimes is a labor of love, we have the promise of help. We have the help that comes from the one who promises, I will be there always with you, no matter what. Even when our best efforts seem to fall short, when we find ourselves in that valley of the darkest shadows, his grace is always there. He promises, I will never leave you, never forsake you. I will be with you along this journey of you trying to follow me. And so today, our invitation is to come and be nourished for this labor of love that God calls us to, remembering today his promises, remembering his everlasting and eternal love for us. It is in that spirit that we prepare to come today to the Lord's table. And we do so remembering that we all stand in need of God's grace. We've all fallen short of God's glory. We have all sinned. We've all missed the mark in our Christian discipleship. And what we celebrate here today is that God has the ability to forgive us. No matter what we've done, God can forgive us, give us a new beginning to live a new life from this moment forward. What a blessing that is. So as we seek to come this day, we remember how Jesus made that possible when he gathered his disciples in an upper room and he took bread and after he blessed it, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This bread represents my body, which is broken for you. And as we look at our own brokenness and the brokenness of this world, we know that Christ is the only way possible for brokenness to be made whole. We remember also how after the supper, he took a cup. And after he blessed it, he gave it to his disciples saying, take and drink of this, all of you. This represents the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me.
And so today, we remember of the price that was paid for us. We remember the promise that I will forgive you and I will give you what you need to move forward. Let's pray. Gracious God, we ask you to pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here in this place and upon these gifts that we have before us in bread and juice. Make them be for us, O God, the body and the blood of Christ that we may be for the world, the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, O God, make us one with Christ, one with each other, one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory. We feast that heavenly banquet with you. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, and with the Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, all honor and glory, O Lord, may it be yours, now and forever. Amen.